It's Monday, you know what time it is. FRPC is back on the air. I'm your host, Vince, and welcome to the most downloaded podcast by all my friends and colleagues and people in the analytics department. So here we are. We got to talk about hoops. It's going to be great. I'm excited. And uh, we got some crazy topics for you today. And we're going to talk about a couple things. Um, We've been very uh, hit or miss. Uh, we were like a multi-day podcast during the week. And because of the move and displacement and some other stuff right now. And we're waiting for the place to get ready. And trust me. When it's ready, it will be awesome. But we are we are uh, efforting to uh, continue to record. Um, we have a mateship type situation right now, but at some point, it will get better, and um, I'm excited about it. So, buckle up and let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this pot. So, the first couple things I want to talk about is this: um, one, we're going to talk about the San Antonio Spurs for a second. I had a conversation with a uh, world-renowned uh, doctor, Dr. Hall, yesterday in regard to the San Antonio Spurs. Now, Dr. Hall is a friend of mine. He is the most world-renowned uh, TV physician when it comes to looking at injuries and telling you how long they're going to be out. Now, uh, it's all scientific. Right, this is all scientific and everything like that, but we're not going to get into what he does. But we were having a conversation about the Spurs, and the reason what I why I want to bring this up is because there's a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of um, people who are dismayed by the offense in in San Antonio, and I understand that. And here's what I will tell you: is this is that I understand your concern about. Uh, Spurs forward, Jeremy Sohan, being the on-ball initiator. There's three things in mind. First, the Spurs are 3-10. and ten. They weren't going anywhere this year. If you looked at what they did in the offseason as far as free agency, you could tell that this was a year where they were just trying to give as, as much runway as possible for... Victor Wimbayama. Keep in mind, as much as we we want to cultivate these teams and build them and 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 uh you know you know distract them and and you know and put them all in this area and say okay let's get a fully formed team. I understand where everybody's coming from with that. I do. I'm not. Uh, I know it looks clunky sometimes. I know it looks. It, sometimes it just looks god-awful, and sometimes they do not get the ball to Victor Wimbayama. So these are all concerns that I definitely hear. These are concerns that are very valid. I'm not sitting here and tell you you're wrong or anything like this. But I, what I do want to say is this. Let's face facts. Trey Jones is a good player. But I believe that Trey Jones is a solid backup in this league for many, many years to come. Now, people will say that I'm throwing shade towards Trey Jones. No, I find him to be incredibly effective, can run a team, and construct an offense. The problem is, is that at some point, 
Victor Wimbayama is going to, I mean, he's showing it already. He's showing how, how good he is and how much better he's going to be. And along with that, you got to see what you got. You got to see if Sohan can be a secondary initiator. I think why they're giving him all these reps is so that he can see a ton of different state shape sizes and also different defenses. So that's where I think it, where it's all coming from when it comes to that. Now, what I will say is that um, when you look at this situation, when you look at it, I understand again. Um, hold on for one second. My light. I got new studio light. Got new studio light, man. So cool. Shouts out to my wife who is uh, helping me out doing this. So again, getting back to San Antonio. Great situation. I like what they're doing, even though it it is maddening to see four or five minutes where Victor Wingbayama is on the court, and you don't see him get the ball. So I understand what everybody is saying. I understand where you're coming from. But I think at this point, what we need to do is embrace the on-ball creation by Jeremy Sohan and also Victor Wingbayama because he's doing it as well. I think it's essential to the development of both of these players. And I think that right now what we need to do as a collective, as, as people who are really enjoying what we're seeing in San Antonio, is just relax for a second and let it play out and see if... Now, see, here's the thing. If next year, Jeremy Sohan, from all of what he has gained as far as the experience this year, if he is not able to utilize that, yeah, it was a failed year. But I don't think it can be. I think as much as... And the other thing that comes along with this, and I'm sorry that I'm all over the place. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. But... Victor needs the ball in his hands too. And I understand the argument that if you had Trey Jones on the floor, he would. But also, part of development is not like, okay, the skills on the court. Also, part of development is Victor is the going to be the leader of that team. Um, we all know that he all the hopes rely on him. So if all the hopes rely on him and he needs to be an effective leader, at some point, Victor is going to feel comfortable enough to ask for the ball. Like, hey, you guys are not the number one pick. I'm the number one pick, and I haven't seen the ball in four minutes, and that's a problem because I'm the franchise. So if that's going on, if that's what's going to be happening, then guess what? <clears throat> we have... We have what we want. So I think the, the San Antonio Spurs will be okay. I don't think this is a real problem whatsoever. I do completely get where everybody's coming from. And they feel just desperate to see Victor have the ball and be able to manifest all these incredible skills and these incredible talents that he has that he's already shown us. And uh, we can't wait till it's fully formed, but we got three or four years for that. So looking forward to that. But fans of Victor, fans of the San Antonio Spurs, I tell you this, and I tell you this unequivocally. 
this will actually be better in the long run that these two guys are able to do this. Then there's more benefit for this right now than there is um, downside. So that's why I'll go with that. So everybody chill out on our guy, Wimby. Everybody chill out on Pop. Everybody chill out on Jeremy Sohan. And everybody stop caping up for Trey Jones. He's okay, man. He's going to play a long time in this league. He's going to make a lot of money. And uh, he's going to be um, a contributor to a, to a good team and maybe even stay with the San Antonio Spurs and be that glue guy on the bench that they need. So I am uh, not worried at all about this. Um, now we're going to move on. I want to talk about the Pistons a little bit, and the reason why I want to bring them up is because, obviously, they have not been good. Um, they have been in a situation where it's been clunky, It's and we all knew this going in. That's the thing that really is kind of striking, is that we are acting like we didn't know that this was... A possibility. Um, so far, the Pistons on the year are a robust two and twelve. Okay, it's not good. Cade struggling in shooting, but he doesn't have a lot of uh, shooting around him. Um, his drives to the lanes are clogged up. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich has been hurt and nobody else really has stepped up to shoot the rock in a way where we can draw a little less attention to Kate. So this is kind of where we are with the Detroit Pistons. They're young. Yes, I understand that was a lost year last year with Kate. Well, now we're back on track, and yes, it is not looking great. But there are so many variables to this, and we're going to get into them, and I kind of wanted to break this down. First and foremost, we we killed the trade when it happened. We killed the trade over the summer. And we're not going to beat a dead horse, but Wiseman minutes are taken away from the development of the younger the younger guys and listen I understand that he deserves an opportunity just like the next guy I just think with the team that he's on right now this is not the team or he's not the guy that I would want to invest in if I'm Detroit let me just go say it like that if I'm Detroit I do not invest a lot of time and developmental energy into James Wiseman. It also sounds that Jay Nivey is not a, a Monty guy at this point in time. We talked about this the last part. Here's the thing. They need shooting. Like desperately, they need to get a reliable outside shooter to take pressure off Kate. Now, here's the thing. Who are you going to trade? Who is it going to be? Who's in your who's in your mix that you don't think is going to who's going to be viable for you in two or three years? Now, the glaring thing is Jay Nivey. 
Um, I know a lot of people have talked about him, and a lot of people don't understand what's going on with Monty and him and, and, and trying to figure out why Ivy is not getting the same opportunities as Asar or whomever. But here's the thing. Asar plays X. He plays really good defense. He tries super hard. He rebounds the ball, and he effectively impacts the game. Now, it's not leading to wins because the shot is not great and whatever, and this is the thing that we're kind of talking about, is that if you don't have at least a couple knockdown shooters on your team, you're lost because the paint is going to be packed. It's going to be absolutely packed. And there's no way that somebody's going to be able to get in that. And I don't care how talented I think Kay Cunningham is for the Pistons. Um, the question is, are they in a point where they are going to do something drastic? And at this point, I don't know. I don't think so. There's not been really any rumors out there. There haven't been any um, little whispers out there that say they're they're looking to make a deal. We got other teams, and we're going to talk about those shortly. But the Pistons right now are struggling. It's a new regime. Everything is different. And now what we need to do is just allow it to play out. Now, I do find it very, very funny that Steven Silas is on this coaching staff. And the reason why I say that is because uh, last year, and Nico, everybody drink because we're about to do a Houston Rocket update. Nico would just lose his mind. He thought Steven Silas was the worst coach in the league. He didn't think they... They did... They did sorry. They did not look to have a a realistic offense in Houston last year. It looked terrible. Uh, You had guys just taking shots for no reason. There wasn't any flow. If you look at Houston now, they look like a really good team. And what I mean by that, it's not like, oh, they're going to win 50 games or anything. What I'm saying is that from last year to this year, the Houston Rockets look dramatically different. And, yeah, you can say, okay, they added two veterans and, and, you know, they added – you know, Ime Adoka, and he's made this difference. But if that's the case, if that's what you're telling me, that tells me that last year the, the inmates were running the asylum. And if that's the case, we're looking now at a situation where the Detroit Pistons are 2-12. and 12. Um, It doesn't look good. And Steven Silas is on that bench. So... I'm not saying that he's the reason. I think there's a myriad of reasons. I don't like Wiseman being there. I'm kind of still scratching my head about Boyan Bogdanovich being there. Why didn't you not trade him last year? Um, the Ivy situation is kind of scary because you wasted – well, you didn't waste it. You invested a fourth overall pick on him – or fifth overall pick on him. Sorry, Sacramento. You got Keegan Murray. And, by the way – to those Detroit Pistons fans out there, and also, and I will say it too, I was not a person who really thought that Keegan Murray at 
the fourth overall pick was right for Sacramento. Boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. But I, I, I have a, I try to stay humble. I try to be like, hey, listen, I'm going to make some mistakes on this pod, so you guys bear with me. We are a transparent podcast, and we, we give it to you real. When we make a mistake, we, we tell you. Now, the Detroit Pistons fans have taken it to like an extra level, I think, over like the last two or three years. And if you talk to fan bases like Houston, who I do have some intimate knowledge of that fan base. There's many friends that um, are Houston Rocket fans, and uh, their war with Detroit Piston fan over the last couple of years, talking about, oh, is uh, Jalen Green trash and Cuttingham is better and this, that, the other. And then, oh, we get crazy draft picks and we know how to draft and Sacramento doesn't. You guys need to calm down and face reality. Guess what? You're going to have another high pick this year. And why is that? Because right now, your team is not competitive and you don't have the necessary pieces on the roster to fix it. And trading assets at this point, as far as trading assets in in the sense of giving up future draft pick or future draft capital, if you want to put it that way, would be a dereliction of duty at the highest level if you did that right now. So you're going to have to grin and bear it, Detroit Pistons fans. uh, I feel bad for you, but this is where we are. Okay, we're going to move on to another topic that I have, and I'm going to make a proclamation. The Miami Heat, we... Love the Miami Heat on this podcast because they play hard all the time. Uh, It doesn't matter if they're undermanned. They're still going to play hard. But we want to give love to a guy we believe. Listen, I know he's gotten his credit around the league. I know people know who this dude is. I know they looking for this dude when they come into town because they know what it's about to be when you play. Bam. Adebayo. Bam Adebayo is having a terrific season so far. And in this season, um, as I go to pull up his numbers real quick, give me one second. Um, And as I'm talking about that, yes, I do understand that the situation in Miami has... um, been a little ragged as far as play, as far as, you know, whatever. But, you know, Miami has that mentality that no matter what, they're going to be good. So it's not even a problem at this point in time. Now, I will tell you that so far, bam, this year, he's averaging 22.8 points a game, 10.2 rebounds a game, and 3.9 assists. I think the most important thing about this is that he's shooting longer jump shots. He's not just in the paint. He seems to have added some 
um, some some 15 to 18 foot turnarounds to his game that were there previously. They were there early on in his career. And then as he got a little bit older, um, he was more the muscle and the defensive guy. But this year, because they did not make the trade for Dame and they weren't able to do anything else in the offseason as far as bring in a talent like Dame, Bam Adebayo has definitely shouldered a bigger responsibility of the offense, and he has flourished in it, honestly. Uh, he always has had this, and he just didn't need to do it. But this year, they got to have reliable scoring. Um, you know that Jimmy Butler is going to be there for the postseason. Jimmy kind of, he's there when... Um, He's there when big games are there, maybe statement games. And I'm not saying he doesn't play hard or whatever. I'm just saying like the Jimmy Butler that we see in the playoffs is a different Jimmy Butler than we see in a regular season. But Bam is going hard. And uh, let's also talk about a couple other things that I saw with him. It's not just that he's scoring more. And it's not just that he's kind of re-engaged with his 15 to 18 foot uh, shot creation game. The thing that I am absolutely in love with Bam Adebayo is just the offensive creation that he's providing. Um, He is setting just tremendous screens uh, this year. And I know that's something that he's done in the past. But this is something that he needs to continue to do if Miami is going to have any shot whatsoever. And currently, the Heat are 8-5. and five. So, kudos to Bam. Kudos to the Miami Heat. And you knew if there was any organization that would be denied Dame Lillard. And then still be able to have a pretty good season when a lot of people in the NBA think that their cupboards are kind of bare because they're doing this with kind of gum, toothpicks, maybe like a, um, what is that? You know, when you pop the top on a, on a Coke or whatever, that type of thing, uh, you know, you get crazy stuff going on. So there you go. Hold on for one minute. I will return, and we will be back. And we are back. Okay, let's finish up with some uh, trade rumors. Okay. (laughs) There's a couple things that I want to talk about with these trade rumors. I believe that Alex Caruso, the guard from the Chicago Bulls, is going to fetch a better haul. Then one Zach Levine, who's been all over the news, been all over your Twitter, if you're a Chicago fan, if you are keeping up on the trade market, Zach Levine and Chicago, it looks like they are ending their partnership, basically. Um, It looks like he will be on the move. Now, here's the thing. December 15th is an inflection point, and then I think... uh, Mid-January is also an inflection point, depending on 
when the free agents signed their contracts in the offseason last year. So until December 15th, we don't have anything to talk about when it comes to Zach Levine. But there is one particular thing, like I said, Caruso, I believe, will fetch a bigger haul than Levine. He's actually more wanted by a myriad of teams than Zach Levine. Now, you would say, well, why is that? Well, there's two or three things. One, let's be honest. Zach Levine is not going, and this is no disrespect to that franchise or that city. He's not going to Charlotte. He's not going to um, San Antonio right now. He's not going to Utah. He's going to a place where they can win. Where they're competitive. Where either they are a serious conference final contender. A serious playoff. Like if this team gets right. They can make a bunch of noise in the playoffs. Somebody is going to jump on Levine, and I know that at some point this year, he will, he'll be wearing a different uniform. Um, now, what goes on with that? Who knows, right? Who knows when that happens? We sat here for months thinking about Dane getting traded like the very next day, and then it took three months. So this could be a while or it could be a short term, but it looks like that divorce is coming. Now, there was an interesting report by uh, Sham Sharania of The Athletic in regards to a team that is close to our hearts. It's the Beamlighters, the Sacramento Kings. Sham reported that the Sacramento Kings are going to be active on the trade market. They are looking for another difference maker. Uh, they ha- have also been um, connected with Zach Levine. I don't think that's a bad idea, actually, to po- pair him with De'Aaron Fox. I don't. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Um, with that being said, they are also active on the Caruso market. They're also active in the what I call the punk fake of the year. Uh, situation, which is Toronto, because we never know if they're going to trade somebody or not. But Sacramento has obviously looked at their team. They see that there are some deficiencies. They do not seem like um, there's a ceiling on them right now. And there's no shade with that. The, here's the thing. Sacramento is going to win a ton of regular season games. Right now, the way the roster is set up, I don't think they're good enough to win a postseason series. So if that's the case and you need some reinforcements, I like the mentality that Sacramento has, especially for a franchise like that who... Up until last year, hadn't been in the playoffs for like 16 years. Just a long drought. A long drought of futility. But now has turned it around. And um, kudos to that front office and all the work they've done. 
but I am going to keep my eye out on Sacramento making a move. Because I think also what we're going to see this year, and I could be 100% wrong, but I think some people are going to strike earlier than let's wait till the absolute drop deadline date. Because I think you're, especially in the West, you're trying to get playoff position. Now, certain teams are not going to care about that because they have a pedigree. They have championship players or pieces on their roster. Maybe they have a championship coach or whatever the case may be. So they know they, they, they can steer through the, uh, the rigors of an NBA season. But for the Sacramento Kings, the, what they need to do is continue to win. And if they can get another guy... That would be awesome. Now, here's the drawback to Sacramento getting another guy, though. Keegan Murray's development. Now, depending on what you think of Keegan Murray or what you think of the team, this is how I kind of realize it right now. We all know that Demontis Simonis and De'Aaron Fox are the two kind of pillars of that team, right? They get the most shots. They handle the ball most. Those are the two guys on the squad that are the pillars. Mike Brown, the head coach of the Sacramento Kings, has told Keegan Murray, yo, man, you have the green light. We want you to be that third pillar. So before we're all like, oh, they got to go get another guy, I think they're going to be one of those teams that wait a, a, a little bit longer. Just because they're going to see if Keegan Murray can be that guy. So, that's what we have on Sacramento. Shouts out to the state capital of California. You know how I appreciate y'all. And shouts out to our guy Patrick and Nick who love Sacramento. Alright, um, let's get to the one other thing that I talked about last podcast that I want to kind of hopefully put to bed and kind of give you my thoughts on it a little bit more because I don't know if I made myself clear on the Levine to the Lakers rumors and let me tell you why let me talk to you the Lakers definitely are a team that is looking at Levine okay I I know that the question is, and I raised this the last time, is why would you trade your depth that you fought so desperately to get back after the complete failure of the Russell Westbrook experiment? You didn't have any depth. You got depth, and now you're going to give it away for Levine? Now, if you were saying you're going to give it away for you know, uh, I mean, they don't have a true difference maker is going to get like four or five draft picks, right? Or three draft picks and swaps and whatever. But yeah, you can continue to add talent to your team or you can see if the talent you have assembled over the previous offseason will coalesce and come together. Keep in mind, I know it's we're like one sixth of the season through. But it's still early. 
before we start freaking out about let's start making Levine trades to the Lakers and D'Lo's gone and this is gone. Because here's the thing. I think Rui Hachimura is going to be very important to that team. And if you are, you got to hope if you get Levine as a Laker fan, that he is ready. Because right now he's shooting like 42% from the field and like 34% from three. And he definitely has had, as Bill Simmons likes to call it, because he is he is the body language doctor. His body language has not been great so far this year. So, with all that being said, I'm a person that says stay away from Zach Levine if you're the Lakers. It's not because I don't think he's an incredible talent. It's just I don't know if that's not the right piece fit for what you're doing. Everybody says, oh, Lakers could use a more explosive score. They could. You're 100% right. But... What it takes away from your team with the depth that you built up after not having any. Because the scary world is this. Like I said on last pod, and if you didn't listen to it, please go back and support the archive pods. Because um, we put a lot of work into it, and, and, uh, and hopefully we're here to entertain you and give you some information. So... Levine gets hurt, LeBron gets hurt, AD gets hurt. So if you don't have depth and these guys are injury prone, why the hell would you give up your depth for that? I can understand if you were getting a guy who's like guaranteed, I play 78 games. I play 75 games, whatever. In the West, you can't miss 20 games. Um, which... <coughs> Which brings me to a team that I want to talk about, which is the Memphis Grizzlies. Because here's a team, ton of injuries, ton of injuries. John Morant, as we know, suspended for 25 games. We got all of that. By the time John Morant gets back, this season's over. Yo, sorry Memphis, no, no shade. Love your organization. Love, you know, I, I think your analytics department, front office, Kleiman's great. Tayshawn Prince is great. I love the coach. I love everything about your franchise. Here's the problem. You had a ton of injuries. You were decimated this year. And guess what? It's going to be a bad year right now. Now, one, once Jog gets back, can they fight their way back into the playoffs? Probably, maybe, I don't know. But it's the West. It's deep. There are no there are no nights off. So if you're gonna you're gonna have to play like at a like a 620 clip to get yourself back into the playoff picture. So best of luck to you, Grizzly Nation. Best of luck to you, Chris Vernon. So I know you completely disagree with this take, but I understand. This is how I feel. All right. There's one other thing that we kind of need to talk about, and then we can go ahead and let you go, and then I can kind of tell you what's going on for the rest of the week. Um, there's a couple things I want to hit on. 
Uh, Kyle Kuzma. Now, I think last pod we talked about the just the Jordan Poole experience. Man, you're going to see a bunch of shots thrown up. You're going to see some very cavalier passing. And you're going to see a lot of dribble, dribble, tween, tween, hezzies. But Jordan Poole is living his best life. Which takes us to Kyle Kuzma. Now, one of the things that is needed in the NBA, and everybody needs one of these, is a big wing. A big wing who can switch, big wing who can rebound, a big wing who can score. Kyle Kuzma offers all these things. And if I'm Washington, I'm trying to get as much, I'm trying to extract as much as I possibly can from whomever the franchise is that wants to acquire him. But that's the guy on... Washington, to me, that has the most value. Because I don't know if they're going to trade Tyus Jones, the backup point guard who's backing up Jordan Poole now. I think there might be a possibility that it might be Kuzma and Jordan Poole leaving rather than everybody else. I don't think Jordan Poole is going to be the pillar of the Washington Wizards for like the next 10 years. Sorry. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's weird, but I think Kyle Kuzma on a good team is going to be helpful. Please, God, don't let it be the Denver Nuggets. Um, but yeah, I can see him being, I wonder if Atlanta will want to reimagine their franchise. That might be a way of going. Um, there are a lot of teams that could use him, and there's a lot of teams that would definitely love to have him. So it'll be interesting to see who actually pulls the trigger on Kyle Kuzma. But I think one of one of the the contenders will do this. Okay, and then we're gonna leave it off on a good note. We're gonna talk about Tyrese Halliburton a little bit. Um, we're gonna talk about the Pacers, and let's also give a little love to the New York Knicks who. And the, and the Magic, who are playing excellent ball right now. If you look at the standings in the East, the Magic are fifth. The New York Knicks are sixth. The Pacers are seventh. And if that's the case, if that's what we're looking at, if that's what we're going through, we're in a situation where this is all good. Now, the Knicks are just going to play hard all the time. That's what they're going to do. Um, I'm still trying to figure out. Now, here's the thing. Mitchell Robinson for the Knicks have played great. He's been an absolute machine on the boards. He's been great defensively, and he's provided some offense that we had not seen for a while. Now, excuse the dog. We got a dog. Um, The Pacers and the team that I wanted to get to, Tyrese Halliburton is having an incredible year, and it looks like he is going to be an All NBA player. Uh, they're they have one of the they have the best offense in NBA history so far as we're tracking twelve games in. 
what Tyrese Halliburton is doing with the 12 and a half assists and the 30 some odd points a game is all the stuff that we thought we would see in Sacramento. And I'm tying, <coughs> excuse me, and I'm tying it to Sacramento. And the reason why I'm tying it to Sacramento is this. Excuse me again. I have a frog in my throat. Okay. The trade did help them. The Demonis Sabonis trade did help them. But the upside of this kid and the absolute fleecing that the Indiana Pacers did, I believe their ceiling is higher than Sacramento's. Now, they don't play a lick of defense. They're incredible to watch. And you're going to see them score 135 points a game. Now, next year, hopefully, <laughs> we get some defense out of this team. But this year, they're just going to be a whole, hell of, a whole hell of a lot of fun to watch. So enjoy it and enjoy the upcoming Thanksgiving. And before I go, this is the thing that I want to talk about. Here's the main, main point. I'm going to try to tell you, like, listen, we have struggled getting pods up and all of that. But here's the thing. I am going to have a Thanksgiving pod. It won't come on Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to do it. We're going to probably record it Wednesday. I'm going to get with my guys. I'm going to um, have them record stuff. I think um, maybe we can collab a little bit and come together. But uh, we're going to do... NBA, things that we are thankful for. And I can't wait to share that with you guys. And I'll drop it on Thursday. So look out for that. It'll happen on Thursday. So as you're chilling out with the fam, eating the turkey, eating the dressing, eating the collard greens, eating the macaroni and cheese, eating the ham, taking care of business, you know what I'm saying? Pumpkin, pumpkin pie style, okay? Once you're doing all that, and you just need a break. And you say, hey, I understand this football on. But I want to get on my man's pod. I want to see what's going down in the NBA and what they're thankful for. You come to us. Or you come to us after the games, right? You just come to us after the games and then we'll be there. Listen, the NFL is king. We understand that. But this pod is very important to me. So it's very important to you. Okay? That's how we do that. Right? That's the transaction that you and I have. Okay, so with that being said, it's been a pleasure. My name is Vince. We do have some contributors that I want to shout out right now. I want to shout out Dr. Kendall Hall. I want to shout out Nico Miatello. And I also want to shout out the newest member to the FRPC family, Dane Blackburn. Who is all in Australia? I told you about him last time. We are going to get him on the pod. We're just trying to get through Thanksgiving and all of that, and then we will try to get him in early December, so you can hear our saucy Australian. He has a lot of great takes. He thinks the game of basketball. He watches and consumes the game of basketball, and I cannot wait for you guys. To hear him in some of the trade rumors and, and stuff that he looks at. Because he does look at it from a different lens. So 
with that being said, I'm up out of here. I will see you guys next week. And like I said, we will be dropping a Thanksgiving podcast on Thursday and being thankful for some, some, some of the things in the NBA. So with that being said, y'all be easy and I'll see you down the road. Peace.